I'm Steve. This is Natalie Ham. Uh, I'm going to say a quick word of prayer, mostly for us. Uh, this is our first time doing this in front of a large group, so bear with us. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for this platform this evening. Pray that you'll uh, be with us. Give us the right words. Help us to be an encouragement uh, for everybody in this room. And uh, just really, um, just help us to be a blessing for everyone here. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, <clears throat> so I grew up in a small Wisconsin town. I'm the youngest of three, and my parents have been married for 51 years and counting. We had a typical Midwestern home, quiet. I had squabbles with my brother and sister, but my parents wouldn't have yelling in the house, and I never heard them argue with each other. My dad worked full-time while my mother stayed at home, taking care of the house and running us kids to and from. Emotions in our house rarely ran too hot or too cold. My parents never drank, smoked, or cursed. My parents divorced shortly after my sixth birthday. My parents fought constantly, and my father's temper could be frightening. So when they broke the news to my sister and I about their divorce, I was relieved. If my parents weren't together, they couldn't fight. Both of them remarried a few years later. My relationship with my stepmother was instantaneous, easy, and fun. Unfortunately, my dad and my stepmother's marriage was just as dysfunctional as when my parents had been married, and they divorced after 20 years of marriage. My relationship with my stepfather was quite the opposite. We clashed from the beginning, and although our relationship was not close, he was an amazing husband to my mother, and still is, and their relationship has always been a great model of marriage for me. I grew up in the, in the Baptist church. All my friends went to the church and many of them even went to the small Christian school that was in that same church. If the church was open, basically we were there. That meant every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I was saved at a young eight years old at a summer vacation Bible school. As the years passed, I always knew that I was saved, but started acting the part less and less. My parents were always a good example, but we never really talked about our faith very much. By eighth grade, I would have professed to be a Christian, but you wouldn't have known it by my actions. I was not raised in a Christian home, but we did celebrate Christmas and Easter. When I was in middle school, I began attending church with my friends. I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was 12 years old. From then, my relationship with the Lord went through many valleys and many peaks. Without a model of what it looked like to have a personal relationship with the Lord, I flitted in and out of being a strong Christian and living for myself. I suppose I had a pretty typical high school experience. I was never a jock or one of the popular kids. I put that in quotes on my paper here. Um, but, but I had a lot of friends. At this point, I was almost completely checked out of the church. I still had to attend with my parents. That was not optional. But I didn't want to be there, and I rarely got anything out of it or paid much attention. Before turning 16, I got a job, and my group of friends expanded. This new group introduced me to pot, and by 17, I gave in and started smoking it regularly. Fortunately, this phase only lasted a couple years. I didn't do much dating in high school, not by choice, but that was probably a good thing. Everybody laughs at me. <laughs> he likes it. Um, I was 17 when I was sexually assaulted. This rocked my very safe and steady bubble world I had grown up in, and I didn't know how to cope. I kept the incident to myself, bottling all my emotions, which allowed the shame and guilt to remain. After this, I began seeking the things of this world, unsure of where God was in all the mess. 
In college and into my 20s, I drank heavily and regularly and began a promiscuous lifestyle, believing it was a way for me to take back the control I had lost during my assault. A promiscuous life lent itself to pregnancies I terminated. The weight of those decisions grew tenfold every time I went through with an abortion. By the time I was in my mid-twenties, I was a full-blown alcoholic, struggling with every piece of my life, full of anxiety, depression, shame, and guilt. Psalm 32, 3-4 says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was zapped as in the heat of summer. After high school, I started chasing women, and my focus was primarily on sex. At 21, I was introduced to the bar scene. This opened up a whole new world of drunkenness and inappropriate relationships. This phase of my life lasted into my early 30s. Somehow, I always had a good job and paid my bills, and I never ended up in jail. I had somebody looking over me. I attended church a handful of times in all those years. I knew I needed it, but the call of the lifestyle that I was leading always won that, that battle. Somehow, in the midst of my mess, I heard the Lord calling me to come back to him. At 26, I entered an outpatient Christian therapy where I was required to attend Celebrate Recovery. Through my older stepbrother, or my oldest stepbrother, I found out about Watermark's Celebrate Recovery program, now called Regeneration, and began attending regularly, um, going through the 12 steps and renewing my relationship with the Lord. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Psalm 32, 5. I was two and a half years sober, and my relationship with the Lord had never been stronger when I met Steve. After all the failed relationships, I decided to call it quits. I figured I have a house, a dog, and a big TV. What else do I need? I thought that was just going to be my life. I think God laughed when I had that, here we go, revelation. <laughs> and he introduced me to Natalie almost immediately. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. We worked for the same company, her here in Dallas and me up in Wisconsin. She would call in for help with her computer software, and I was pretty good at helping. <clears throat> she may not admit it, but I think she broke it on purpose for an excuse to call in. She likes that part. I may not look like much, but I'm amazing on the telephone. <laughs> We got to know each other pretty well, and soon we were talking after work and often late into the night. We talked about nearly everything, including marriage and raising a family. We first met face-to-face -face up in Wisconsin in October. She met my parents that first day. On her second trip up, we went ring shopping. I visited Dallas. <laughs> Same one. Visual assistance here. I visited Dallas once, and then on my second trip down here for Christmas, we were engaged. Four dates, that is, for those of you keeping track. She was half dead with the flu that day when I proposed to her, and it's a story we'll never forget. And so, Wisconsin and in with my in-laws, and it was a bit of a twilight zone. Here was a married couple where no one was speaking above a whisper. There was no arguing, disagreements, or fighting of any kind, even after months of living with them. But there also weren't any visible signs of affection like I was used to seeing from my parents. In my home growing up, I love you was said repeatedly. Words of affirmation were a constant, as well as hugs and kisses. At the time, I didn't realize this sharp contrast of family dyna 
dynamics would have such a huge impact on my marriage, especially in the beginning. We had an absolutely amazing small family wedding. Picture one, visual aid. Hey, look at those two. And I had more hair on the back of my head then, too. <clears throat> and, and who wouldn't go nuts for a honeymoon in Aruba? Visual aid number two. I almost looked like I got a tan. Almost. I didn't. <clears throat> but something was missing from the beginning. We were not connecting like we should. For all our conversations, we had completely missed communicating all sorts of our expectations to each other. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The unmet expectations were almost immediate to me. I was not hearing I love you as much as I thought I should. He wasn't telling me how beautiful I was at every turn, and I didn't feel as if he was sexually attracted to me, like I expected a husband should be to his wife. However, in all the long conversations we had had over the phone during our courtship and even, even during our premarital counseling, these were conversations I never thought to have with Steve, to give him an idea of what I thought intimacy in a marriage looked like and what I expected, and to give him an opportunity to share his thoughts and expectation of those same things. I never brought up my feelings of disappointment, fearful of bringing conflict into our marriage. Instead, my disappointment turned to bitterness and my bitterness to anger until I would lose my temper, yelling and shouting my disapproval of Steve and of our marriage. Being on the receiving end of this temper and the shouting that uh, inevitably ensued was not my cup of tea. I really didn't know how to react and mostly I withdrew from the situation. Uh, unfortunately, besides withdrawing, I actually made things worse by not being the husband Natalie really needed. I wasn't available emotionally or physically, and I didn't encourage growth in Christ in either of us. We simply didn't have the tools to handle this, and I know that made it even more difficult for Natalie. We had a great church we attended, but we were checking off a box and didn't have community to hold us accountable. At this point, we were living as undivorced roommates. In the midst of my anger and rage, I began drinking again. What started as one or two glasses of wine every once in a while almost turned into a complete relapse within four years. My over-drinking and my returning dependence on alcohol to escape and numb was only making things worse between Steve and me. So in 2015, I decided to bring Natalie home. In all my brilliance, I thought that getting her back down here to Dallas with her family and back to Watermark would fix everything, or at least some things. It did not. Being back home in Texas with the hot summer sun, a pool, my family, and Watermark again were all great things, but none of those were fixing our marriage, and the move only seemed to bring us more stress. Within a few months of our move, Steve and I had one of our worst fights, if not our very worst. I wasn't sure if what he was saying was true, and if it were true, was he telling me to confess his struggles to me or just to hurt me? A few days later, I asked Steve if he would attend re-engage. This may come as a shock to some of you, but I did not want to attend re-engage. It seemed a bit like an admission of failure, uh, but mostly I didn't want to be blamed for all our problems. I thought that as the head of our household, our issues would be put squarely on me. Kicking and screaming, we attended the very first night of re-engage, and I was not sure about the whole thing to, at best. Uh, God softened my heart that very night. One of the first things we heard was to draw a circle around yourself and fix everyone inside. This was an actual revelation. I knew I wasn't simply going to be blamed for everything. 
listening to that first testimony by a couple just like us or probably better at doing this than us put me at ease and I was in. For me, the greatest thing about going through re-engage was finally getting to have those conversations we had never had before. Expectations, hurts we had caused one another, how each other receives love and respect, and many more. Little by little, our marriage and our relationship became a safe place for both of us, a place where God's grace for us was freely given to each other. We didn't have to be afraid to let conflict be a part of our marriage, knowing we had the tools we needed to face them and get through them in a loving way. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4, 31-32 God began changing our hearts towards Him and to each other, and began to reveal to us His perfect plan for marriage. Shortly after we finished our closed group, the Lord used an Another incident to open my eyes to the destruction of my drinking, and I have been sober for several months. Reengage is work, and it's a commitment, but it is worth every second. Any professional athlete or musician, of which I am neither, will tell you that they still need to practice, focus, and be disciplined. This is my experience here at Reengage. We now have the tools, as provided by God, to handle married life and we finally had the confidence to grow our family. Natalie is pregnant with our first, and there will be a little Steve joining us soon. He Vi says hi. Visual aid number three. There he is. We don't have a name yet. Don't Baby ask, ham. Don't ask about names. <laughs> Recently, while leading a newcomer's meeting, we were asked how we would rate our marriage now. We both paused and reflected, which I think might have concerned those asking. <laughs> But we answered with an honest seven or eight, much better than the two and four we rated our marriage on the first night of re-engage. We are a work in progress, still both fallen, broken sinners in need of a savior, in need of abundant grace. What I typically share with our newcomers is this, marriage is work, but when the work done in marriage is modeled after the work the Lord has asked you to do, the reward for your labor is so sweet and worth every struggle and every victory. Finally, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to our story of imperfection. Be encouraged by what God has restored in ourselves and in our marriage. Thank you. <laughs>